Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of Rough Sketch to Final Draft. I am your host, Coach Adam, and we are continuing on our journey discussing trauma to transformation. And in this episode, we're going to dive deeper into, again, some of the principles in which we um, will kind of offset each one of these episodes as we're growing this wonderful community and following. And again, if you're new here, welcome. So grateful for you being here, for joining um, this beautiful growing community. Uh, the subscription list keeps on growing. Each one of these videos continues to actually have more views every single day that I look into it. Um, our Patreon uh, subscription list is starting to grow as well. And the following count on our Instagram and other socials is just taking off. So I'm humbled and I'm grateful that you're here. Um, but as we dive in today, talking about the principles in which we actually will be going over, the outline for every one of these shows as we're kind of growing into our format is that every single time we have a guest on, we'll talk about the actual genuine depth of the content. And then these episodes where you'll have myself with you, we'll be going over principles, going over the practicalities, some of the practical steps, some of the actual things that we can start implementing into our lives to actually start seeing the benefits of the content that we're circumnavigating in these episodes. Um, but today we're going to be going over how we can actually continue moving forward for transformation and how we can actually really genuinely actualize that in our lives. What does transformation look like? How do we get there? What are some of the challenges that we overcome? And what are some of the practical tools and principles that we can actually genuinely apply to our lives that are going to actuate that actual genuine transformation process instead of just aiming at it and doing that for the next 30 to 40 years in safe space. If that's where we are, it's where we are. But there will be actual practical tools in which we can utilize in our lives to start actually manifesting or we're looking to actually achieve in our lives. And it starts with basic principles. So let's go ahead and break into a piece of that for today in the journey of transformation is that one of the most humbling, humbling aspects, and this is going to dive right back into the deep end right after this, but the first principle is to actually understand that there will be things that you don't know that you don't know. Okay, I'm going to say that again and not to just genuinely be um, anything else other than clear. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And that's the biggest blind spot. Okay, so to understand it, we usually just say it colloquially in, in phrases in life in general as we have a blind spot, something that you're not aware of in a certain sense of your life, an area, perhaps your career, your personal life, your friendship life, but you're unaware that you're even unaware. A way in which I like to illustrate this <clears throat> for clients and for coaching moments is the fact that if we are going to be flying from here to New York tomorrow, California to New York, and they were asking, one of us, yourself, listening on your iPad, on your phone, on Spotify, on podcast, uh, Apple Podcast, or here on YouTube. And they asked you to be the actual pilot. And there you are, stepping into the cockpit. And you're going to be aware of everything that you don't know immediately. You are immediately hit with the fact of you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what the switches do. You don't know what these particular toggles do. Maybe you could figure out how to take off. Maybe. You're excellent. You're absolutely top of your game. At the same time, being able to take off, land, fly smoothly, the whole entire thing, get you there and back in time for dinner. It's going to be a tough one. 
right? So you're immediately now aware of what you don't know. As you're sitting there in the cockpit, sitting inside the chair, you're actually looking at the dials, the gauges, the gears, the switches, and you're aware as you're looking at them of what you don't know, what they do, what their functionality is. Okay, and that's a whole lot of the coaching process is 99% of the time is that we all genuinely have the skills and the skill set within us. Okay, you're not lacking anything. Let's take a step back. You're never lacking anything. Anyone that I've ever coached doesn't already have the answers within them. The thing of it is, is that we don't have necessarily access inside of ourselves yet because we have yet to have that being brought from our blind spot into our focal view to be able to actually view it, chew on it, understand it, and then to make use of it. And once we start making use of it, now that we know that it's actually in our life, we will then make the dramatic, radical changes. And I've seen incredible results be able to happen in an instant when people literally in their individual lives start to understand where they are at and what has been within them. And they were unaware of even their immense potential. And it's an overused word. So to say space it and understand that from a real genuine coaching aspect, there is always the ability to maximize your efforts that will yield the results you're actually looking for, quote unquote, potential. And there is not one of us in this life that lacks, again, quote unquote, potential in that regard. The ability to maximize your results by knowing what you want to go after and how to achieve it. That's huge. So as we take a step back and get back to this in that regard, the blind spots are something that we actually want to make sure that we are clearing out. And in today's talk, it's going to be a big one. And again, if you're finding this right now, if you're halfway through this um, series of episodes, or you maybe you found us organically by turning on Spotify and look for something in suggested content, none of this ever happens by accident. I always remind you on every single one of these episodes that this is always on purpose. When your life is literally looking for growth in a certain way, you will then start to attract the opportunities that are resonating at that frequency. Remember that we are spiritual beings having human experiences, not humans having spiritual experiences. It's like literally when you are seeking out to listen to classical music, R&B, rock and roll, you will then be able to find the radio station specifically tuned in that plays that style of music that you're looking for. Now, a coach coaches, material, Tony Robbins, Dale Carnegie, Stephen Covey, um, Simon Sinek. There's so many out there. The list goes on and on and on with all these in amazing individuals to actually divulge into this content and go back through the annals and the pages of history, all the way back to Marcus Aurelius, Socrates, Aristotle, Seneca of Rome. This has been around a long time. Individuals have always been there assisting the growth and development of others throughout the entire history of the world. So when you are finding yourself in these moments, when these things are happening, understand that there is an asynchronicity and there is an alignment literally taking place for you. It's manifesting in your life. And none of that is ever by accident. So if you're here, understand that this is where you're meant to be in this part of the journey. And of course, this is all transitionary. That's the whole entire point about this. At this is point in time in your journey of your growth, this is what's going to be relevant to you now. Later on down the road, there might be something else that you're going to need, and you might outgrow this kind of content. You're going to move on to Stephen Covey, Dale Carnegie, Tony Robbins. There's a plethora, and it's always going to be one of those things, too, that you have to humbly accept in that regard, is that when you're looking for ice cream, how many flavors are there, right? And the truest sense of the humbleness in this is that it's a fun analogy to be able to understand that just because you want ice cream doesn't mean that everyone likes 
strawberry or mint chocolate chip or whichever one that you're into, whatever that is, there's always going to be a style for everyone to be able to flow and go with. And your growth is simply that you're craving the information. You're looking to tune into classical or into R&B or rock. You're looking for that style. And that's where we're here. We're looking for growth. We're looking for growth through transformation at this particular point in time in our lives. So again, I welcome you. So one of the first things in our blind spots, as we take a step forward now into the content for today, is really the first thing, and it's a big thing. We're diving right into the deep end. The deepest part of the swimming pool is going to be that ego. And let that sit there. The first thing, literally, that is going to actually be holding us all back from genuinely our growth journey for us being able to achieve the dreams that we actually want for ourselves. It's the ego. Ego is fear. Let that sit there. Ego is fear. There isn't somehow the idea that fear is outside of the ego. The ego is actually genuinely what is generating, maintaining, sustaining fear in your life. If you are trying to grow in your personal experience, professionally, personally, physically, whatever it is you're trying to do, master a particular habit, get up every single morning at 4 a.m., become better at that particular language you're trying to learn because you're going to be going on a trip soon. You want to lose that weight for the photos of the wedding that's coming up or you're actually in the wedding, however that's going to be. You're trying to become a better professional at PowerPoint, Microsoft, writing, whatever it is. So you're a better professional at your job. And you're more useful to your team in a better way. Perhaps you're an upper management level individual who actually wants to become a better leader in general. So you're looking to up your game there. Whatever it is that's holding you back from being able to make that step and that leap, the fear that you're feeling is actually the ego of failure. So a first principle, I want you to go ahead and write this one down. Keep this in your mind, imprint it, and engrave it there forever. There is no such thing as failure. There is only feedback. I can say that one more time for the benefit of anyone listening to this now and in the future. There is no such thing as failure. There is only feedback. Now, I know that's a big one to take in, so take a deep breath and let that one sink in. The truth on why is the major fact of the practical principle of it. So let me go ahead and dissolve those I thinks and wait a minute, and I know and I've seen failure, and I know what failure really is, and that doesn't make any sense to me. The first thought that's coming there, Coach Adam, hold on, wait, I've got a whole bunch of yeah buts in the back of my mind. There's that ego. Is there one way to succeed? Is there only one path to success? Is there only one iota of a way to determine, classify, specify success, successful living, anything else like that? Is there only one way to do all these things? Try right, take a deep breath. Let it go. Let that ego die. There is not one way to succeed, so there cannot be a way to fail. And who have you ever heard of? Walt Disney, countless famous actors who came from nothing. Denzel Washington has an amazing, inspiring story. So do so many others. Walt Disney literally failed over a hundred plus times trying to find someone to actually give him a grant, a loan, to go build a park based on a mouse. Read the story. It's an incredible, fascinating, humbling example. Over a hundred times he got turned down. That means that he literally set up meetings. It was on the docket list. Called 
creditors, called loan agencies, banks, and so on and so forth, all around the L.A. area of California and so on and so forth. And they were trying to actually genuinely bring out this future universal park that had never been before, right? They had Coney Island and things like that back in the past, but nothing like a, a resort like Disney. The idea of a theme park to that extent had never been done before, and no one was taking a risk. So he's making things on his blotter. He literally is actually scheduling a meeting, getting other individuals, professional-minded businessmen to come to these meetings, board meetings, imagine the briefcases back in those days, papers all filed, and he's presenting the pitch to these professional individuals. That's once. That's on a Tuesday. Schedule the next meeting, right? For another week down the month, right? It's a Thursday. Strike out again. Made a few phone calls. A couple months went by. Wasn't able to literally book another meeting with another bank because now banks are starting to hear about this amazing deal that is um, not going to go anywhere and no one wants to take it. So now he's making three or four different calls. He's going out of different towns. I mean, this is really starting to become a challenge. You're starting to understand how challenging this genuinely really, 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 really was to make into the world that we now understand. We can't even imagine a world without Disney or the effect and the impact Disney has on our culture, our world, our mindset. I mean, there are parks around the world, China, France, Florida, Japan, California, huge impact on the world. But there was a time in which he could have called it quits. First meeting, lots of us hold ourselves accountable. Let's take a step back and make it more personalized. The meeting didn't go well. You didn't make the sale. Quit, right? People do. They throw in the towel. Won't make another one. Schedule a second meeting. Some people are a little bit more resilient. Didn't get that one either. Quit. Done. Throw in the towel. Fourth, fifth customer that's still not buying what you're doing. Maybe you get fired, right? There are opportunities in that regard where in our careers that we struck out that many times, we wouldn't even have the opportunity. Disney didn't quit. There was over a hundred meetings that he failed at, quote unquote, failed at. But every single meeting in his autobiography, he says that he learned something intrinsic, knew how to understand his market better to be able to speak to the bankers better. He understood that he had blind spots. He didn't know what he didn't know. He went in there thinking, I'm going to pitch him on this idea of something that's going to be fantastic. The razzmatazz of the future of what the potentiality could be. Sell the sizzle, not the steak. Sell the dream of what this park based on a mouse would be all about. I mean, it sounds interesting to even think about today if we were going to make an investment. Some of us who are watching and listening are going to be bankers, we're going to be lawyers, we're going to be doctors, we're going to have professional lives, even working in retail. Someone comes into your store and says, I've got a bang up idea. Uh, we're going to build a whole entire park around a bear. Right? I mean, these things are interesting. It's humbling to understand how far we really can push ourselves to believe in the impossible. And that really is coming into believing inside of ourselves. So this is all tying into the sense of literally the principle of not understanding that our blind spots are actually filled with knowledge that we can learn to become better. And as Disney was going forward in his life, in his meetings that he was learning from, him and his brother were literally learning everything that the bankers were saying no to. And they were polishing up their argument every single time they went forward. Now, obviously, it's quite humbling. If you truly think about the argument that they must have had in the very beginning for the case of opening up this park, he had to go over a hundred meetings. That means he had a hundred edits to make in his pitch. Now, of course, don't forget that literally our show is Rough Sketch of Final Draft. The details are in the edits of our lives. It's not necessarily just our first draft is ready to go. There's always the ability to edit our lives and to make adjustments 
to improve upon the point that we're trying to actually make and take a step back in a humble way. That's not that the point that the actual genuine thrill of our story that we're trying to share, if you're trying to write a, a children's book, a small book, or some amazing chapter in your life or something else like that, that there's something lacking. It's not the point. There's always just genuine acumen to be able to learn how to tell your story in a much more clear and concise way for your audience to be able to digest it and ingest it and enjoy it and learn from it and see the value in what you're actually sharing. And see, as Walt Disney was genuinely going through this process of all of his different interviews that he was having with all these bankers that were telling him no, 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 and no. It's a fantastic story, by the way. I mean, just taking a pause, read his autobiography, watch some of the documentaries. It's absolutely incredibly inspiring. And it's one that we all are certainly aware of. I mean, it's such a, a cultural figure in our world of today, no matter how we think about Disney or not, as even in our adult world or as our children or something else like that, but incredible. He kept on getting better. And him and his brother just kept on, you know, sharpening their pencils and crossing their T's and dotting their I's and learning more and more about what was in their blind spots, about perfecting their craft, about getting their billing in the correct spot, understanding that they needed more technical advice on certain rides and things like that that they were proposing. It wasn't just selling the idea on these investors that the rides would be great. That's easy to do, but they needed to see where the costs an analysis breakdown of the profits and losses and the return on the investment would actually genuinely be. And for a creative thinker like Disney, he's wanting to create the cartoons and the story and the thrill of obviously all these wonderful characters for people to have these beautiful moments. And the bankers are looking at him and his brother like we understand that we care about the money side. So it was in his blind spot. And that's like us in our personal growth journey, that we have all these blind spots about what's really holding us back from being able to achieve and manifest our dreams. We have it within us to be able to manifest these things for us. They're there. It's inside of us. It's within us. It's within Disney. He figured it out. He didn't ever have to just scrape his whole entire proposal. He kept on working on the rough sketch. Until he finally got to a draft in which there were bankers that were interested and wanted to invest in his dreams, to assist him to achieve his dreams because it was a part of achieving the banker's dreams, to be able to have money on endless tap from this amazing amusement park that was going to do all the things that Disney was proposing that was going to happen. So take a step back. Doesn't it sound like our lives in that regard is that we really want to have these moments in our lives where we want to achieve our dreams because if we do, then we'd be able to have others in our lives benefit endlessly, right? If if someone achieves something great in the family household, the father ends up getting the career that promotion that he's looking for, the wife will benefit, the children will benefit, the life of the children's children will benefit. There will be tons of endless residual benefits. If the wife is going for a promotion in her career, there will be endless benefits that the family will end up receiving. It's a partnership. And when these things take place, we know inside of our hearts that all those around us in our communities, like this beautiful community, there will be a benefit to this. The whole entire reason, again, as I take a step back, even myself, for making this content is because we were originally limited over a year ago to Instagram. It was just a minute, 30 seconds to be able to have these deep dives into these incredible concepts where the community that was growing humbly, and now we're surpassing 4,000, we're on our way to 5,000, we'll keep going after that. We've got a few amazing followers already just growing every single day within 
the YouTube community here, and it's just continually growing, and I'm grateful. We were limited then on what kind of content that we could create. These videos and these deep dives, these interviews that I'm having with these incredible people, these individuals that are coming on and sharing their incredible life experiences and their wisdom. The conversation go back to the one with um, Coach Dea, with Lulu Lee, with Jasmine Clemente. These women are incredible. They're inspiring. They have been through so much. They know so much. They are in just filled with so much genuine love and knowledge to be able to share. There is an endless amount of, when these videos and these conversations are made, these deep dives are done, there's endless amounts of benefit that can go out into the ripple effect. So if in the blind spot that was behind, even in my own life, to be absolutely transparent and vulnerable here with you in the community, most of you already know these things, is that it was because of the inspiration and the support of so many of you in the community. Lulu was such an inspiration to be able to literally get me out of the corporate world mindset that in my career that I was in and was advocating, supporting the idea, somewhat lovingly pushing for this to be able to grow, saying that this is what I need to do. This is what the community wants. This is your calling. Follow your heart. Do it. Get out there and expose yourself. Be, be vulnerable. Be transparent. Give people your heart and see where it goes. And here we are. Here we are. So there is the ability that that was even in my humble blind spot, that doing this was actually what I was meant to do, that there was a calling to be doing this. And again, if you're a part of this beautiful community, I always want to thank you. It's just been so humbling and so incredible to be able to have this opportunity to continue growing. And there's so many great conversations that I have in the life coaching that I do offer. These amazing moments where this incredible journey of being able to be a part of this healing assisting and serving of others has truly just radically and radicalized the healing process of, of so many lives, mine included, and I'm grateful and I'm humble for it every single day. So understand that as we do this, there are blind spots within us all. Humbly, I'm sharing some of mine. I'm using an autobiographical example of Disney because he's easy to relate to, to understand. That there are things within us that as we have these blind spots be brought into our awareness, things begin to manifest because now that we actually have it in front of us, we can work on it. You're trying to achieve losing 30 pounds, 60 pounds, getting ready for a wedding, whatever it is, just personal development in general. Once you finally meet a trainer, they can actually give you the workout that you really do need to be able to achieve the dreams that you want for your fitness. You can do it. The reason why it hasn't been manifesting was because it was in your blind spot. You knew that if you went to the gym, you didn't know what you were doing. You could look at the weights. You could go do cardio all day long. You didn't know what to eat, what workout regimen to do. You had to have a system and a process to follow. As soon as you have that process, as soon as you have that system, lightning, right? Just, boom, God of Thunder Thor comes down and can happen for you right there. Magic really does take place, and it really is coming from outside of our comfort zones, which is exactly outside of our comfort, which is in the blind spots, and that it comes forward, and it's then focused in front of us, and we're allowed to chew on it, look at it, figure it out, look at it from many different angles, and really see what it is that we need to be able to start doing. And even if you put it off, 
the mind now is coming up with the way that it works, right? In the actual scientific psychological method. Now that it actually really is taking place, the observer effect just genuinely starts to take place for you. And now you can actually start moving into thinking about how to move this metric, thinking about how when you do actually start making the moves, it will go this way, that way, or other way. Regardless whether or not you're doing it right in that exact moment, the mind is doing it. It's already coming up with the steps and stages. The body is programmed that way. The mind works in that way. It's already thinking about the second that you think about driving from your hometown to the local city that you want to go to, your mind is immediately thinking about the traffic conditions. You can't help but think about it. It's already doing it for you. It's on autopilot. So the whole entire point about all of this is, is that the humbling aspect is to literally realize that getting things from your blind spots into your focus point is going to be the radical step one of your transformation journey. Lots of different ways to come at it. At the same time, that's going to be where the growth and the actual potential is going to meet the practicality of taking these steps. Lots of different ways to do it. Lots of different modalities and methodologies and so on and so forth. Go to any library, look online in any direction. You're going to find a million different examples, sources. You codify them all, simplify it down, it comes into this point. Once you know what you don't know, that's step two. Right. Step one is you don't know what you don't know. Meeting a coach, doing a one-on-one, meeting a personal trainer, finding someone who's going to be an on-site technician or whatever to make your job better for on-site job training. You're going to figure out what it is that you don't know. That's step two. That's the best part. Right. You start with, I don't know what I don't know, into now I know what I don't know. And eventually, Step three will manifest into the sense of now I know what I didn't know. And that's going to be where the growth takes place. The full transformation will be down the road where the actual caterpillar goes into the cocoon stage and becomes a butterfly down the road. The transformation will take gradual steps. This is the first step. And then what you don't know, what you don't know, is the actual fact that the ego is what's holding you back. The fear of even moving forward is actually what's holding you back. That's the point. All of this is to simplify and give analogies and narrate the idea of, it's literally, the ego. Ego breeds envy. Ego and envy are poor bedfellows to actually get involved with in life in general. They do not give more than they take. Ego and envy are always going to hold us back from being able to grow. Where love and acceptance and truth is going to be the water and the nutrients that you need to be able to grow and move forward. It's as simple as that. Everything in this universe, taking a step back, another principle, everything in this universe is legitimately built upon basic, simple formats to follow. It is not difficult. For seeds in the ground that when hit with light and water, they grow. If you really think about it, you'll understand, kind of, again, unlearn what you have learned. That the simple practicality of all life could not be built upon these intricate, incredible, complex structures. It has to be in a simplified 
aspect for it to be able to become complex down the road. You look at the foundations of any skyscraper that goes thousands, right? Hundreds of floors up into the air. Thousands is a lot. But really, hundreds of floors into the air. Concrete, steel beams, simple foundations. That's it. It's not incredibly intricate and so on and so forth down below. It's incredibly rudimentary. Then you can build the complex structures up every single tier higher and higher and higher and higher. Same exact way in our personal lives, same exact ways in our relationship, love lives. Everything is built upon simplicity. I like you, you like me. This is the job that I like, I'm going to do well here. These are the things that you can actually really just genuinely see. When things start getting overly complicated, the complexity on the convexness of the outer shell that actually starts to cave in the simplistic nature of it, that's when the pressure starts to take place. That's when things literally start to de-evolve, right? They go in retrograde. They work against the actual process of moving things forward. And that's where we end up finding ourselves getting back to the drawing board, doing another rough sketch, figuring out that the plan that we were necessarily making from before, humbly taking a step back, remember Disney, just going back to the rough sketch and realizing that pitch didn't work, that day didn't work, that day's plan, that drive that we ended up having wasn't the way to get there. And that's different than just scratching the whole entire idea. That's fear. That keeps you away from even achieving towards your dreams. He never gave up on his dreams the same way that we can't either. We always want to be able to achieve what we want to achieve. That's what we're here to do. And being an advocate for you and being someone who is always going to want to support you in that growth and that choice is literally just find out how to make it happen. That's the real genuine story behind the journey of someone like Disney doing what he did. He found a way to make the rough sketch finally work for him to be able to achieve his dream. He fine-tuned his dream. He worked on it. Every single meeting that was quote-unquote unsuccessful with that particular banker, with that particular loan agency, so on and so forth, was just another step closer to being able to figure out exactly how to get his dream off the ground. Those ones weren't in alignment with him. And that should humble us also, taking 10 steps back in our lives that when we're trying to achieve our dreams and we have friends, loved ones, colleagues in work, even family members, and when we're trying to go after our dream, we go down the list and every single one of those areas might be attacked in some way or form. Your partner may not get it. Your best friends may not get it. Your whole entire group of community of friends may not understand it. Your family may not understand it. It's not for them. That's the point with that. Your dream is your dream. It's not their dream. Same exact way that whatever the loan agency, the bankers that didn't align with Disney, they weren't for his dream. For the down the road path, it was actually, if you can understand here, a blessing that it didn't work out for him, for Disney, because if it would have, and these individuals were the type that they didn't see the gold that he was right off the bat and wanted to take that kind of a risk on a hopeful dreamer with an incredible plan and a genius and creative mind. Well, then, if they didn't see that up front, then it really worked out in his benefit that down the road, they also weren't his cohorts and business partners down the road. You see, so we usually just think about the first initial smack that didn't work out. 
The door slammed in the face. The deal said no. The person that we were dating wasn't the one. The promotion that we were looking for didn't happen. The job that we had, gone. Sometimes we only think about those moments versus the afterthought, like literally down the road, the 2020 vision looking behind us in that regard, but being able to see that it didn't play out the way that it was gonna, because there was actually a better plan that was being orchestrated in the background. And that's powerful in the humbling aspect, again, of the disillusionment, the entire point. Again, these are all analogies and syllogisms and so on and so forth to be able to understand how to explicate the fact of getting rid of and dissolving the ego is step one of being able to allow yourself to authentically show up in a transparent, genuine way so that you can actually go after your dreams, so that you can manifest the goals that you're actually seeking to achieve, to attract those individuals in your life that are going to be the ones that are meant to be a part of your journey, to support you in your journey the whole entire way through. There's many individuals that we attract into our lives and cultivate into our lives throughout the course of our lives that actually turn out to be like the loan officers and the bankers that didn't work out for Disney. But we're clinging on to them because they may have given us the deal up front. They didn't turn us away right at the very beginning. And see, we were so excited to get the deal with someone, whatever that was, a loved one, a friend, a partnership and business. We're so excited just to land it, land that deal. We didn't really think about the whole entire long term of it. There's always self-accountability in all of this transformation, is there not? And certainly the idea of transformation, which is transcending the ego, is going to genuinely bring up a lot of things that are going to have us look in the mirror quite a bit. We're all really good at being able to point the finger. And don't forget, it's a three-to-one ratio that the one, two, three is always pointing back at us or whenever we're trying to point the finger at somebody else. We lose. The accountability of the things that we actually really do manifest into our lives and the perceptions that we have about it says a lot more about us than it does about the objective world outside of us that we can actually say is one way or the other. And then to base ourselves based upon that disillusionment of the idea that we're projecting is actually the objective world outside that because the world is that way i'm this way because the way the world is that i choose to be this the world is going to be the world it's always going to be itself objectively by itself how we respond to it is always up to us 100 percent created by us and we are absolutely accountable and responsible for that generation and that creation in that sense. When we take dramatic ownership, radical authenticity and responsibility, that's when our lives start taking shape. Those are the tools that genuinely spark fires and create radical improvements within our lives. These principles that we're surveying and overviewing right now, we start getting into dramatic accountability radical authenticity your life can change in moments in hours within days weeks 
dreams that seemed achievable in 10 to 20 years, 5 to 10 years from now, are instantaneously fast-forwarded to being able to be manifested and actualized now in the present time. The delay has always just been within our own blind spots. See, it always comes right back around. The whole entire thing literally circumnavigates the whole understanding of who we are internally, which then shows up externally. It's never the other way around. It's not without the ability of being inverse first, right? We all know this. These are things that we humbly and accountability-wise can acknowledge within ourselves when we're actually being intellectually honest, emotionally honest. When we actually genuinely turn on that emotional intelligence within ourselves that literally exists within ourselves always. We all have these capacities. The capacity to love, to be able to learn, to be able to grow, to be able to genuinely grasp larger concepts is within us all. We only ever genuinely hide them from ourselves. Simple as that. So when we start to allow ourselves to genuinely come forth, and how do we do that? That's right, by dissolving the ego, letting go of the fear, which, again, someone great once said the only thing to fear is fear itself, did they not? The idea is literally fear is the ego. It has a problem with being seen a certain way. It, <clears throat> the ego, is the only thing that could ever genuinely be upset or afraid of the outside world. Otherwise, take a hundred steps back and remember who we are. You have a soul inside this crude matter that we call it a, a body. As Yoda once said, not this crude matter, luminous beings, are we? And I never mean to get too woo-woo, but at the same time, these are humbling aspects. Regardless whether or not we're religious or anything else like that, there's a spiritual truth that we are certainly more than this. There's a spirit, there's a soul literally here for the experience of this life. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. This is all for our betterment. This is all for our life to be able to learn, to be able to grow, to be able to love, to be able to experience a cornucopia, a full kaleidoscope of different feelings, emotions, thoughts, experience, joys, fears. Right? The ego isn't necessarily a bad thing. Just understand what role it plays in our life. This is the next principle to understand that it's not in the way in a bad way. It's there also as a self-preservation defense mechanism. That's what it's set up to do. The only thing of it is, is again, nothing's broken in you. You're not missing anything. It's literally just needing some fine-tuning. The ego in and of itself is maybe on self-destruct mode. It's maybe on self-defense mode. There's a gauge on the back of it. You can literally turn it down. Let it know that it doesn't have to be on you know, one through 10, it doesn't have to be on 10 all the time. It's all right to be able to have the self-defense mechanism, the ego, turned down to three, two, 1.5, somewhere in the middle there. Just turn the nozzle down. It doesn't need to be there all the time, on full, all the way. It has an ability 
to be able to protect us in self-preservation modes. Grateful that it's there. Many a time, the heroes throughout the history of the world, men and women included, have saved the world, have done incredible things. I have an amazing friend who actually genuinely, in London, there was a car accident that actually had hit and crashed into, you know, this is all happening right in front of her on the streets in London, hit into a garbage bin, one of those big, gigantic garbage bins. The car that slammed into it made the garbage bin catapult at rapid speeds, 30, 40 miles an hour, towards her and her mother who were standing on the street. My amazing, incredible, heroic friend jumped in front of her mother as this trash bin, the big giant ones, like the ones in the city, was hurtling towards her. She jumps out in front of it, pushes her mother aside, and literally stops this thing. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, self-preservation was stepping forward. That's the illustration of that. That's the amazing thing that takes place there. Absolutely incredible. I mean, she had some, some, uh, some hurt, you know, wrists and a sore back for a little while. She saved both of their lives. The way that she acted, just on the split of an instant, that's what the ego and the self-defense mechanisms can actually have. Now, obviously, internally, psychologically, right, taking a step back and going into it from a perception of understanding in the clinical sense, also the self-defense mechanisms are wired into and hardwired into our emotional bodies, right, into the actual psychology of our minds, the way that our synapses inside the hippocampus and the corpus callosum and so on and so forth are actually firing and making memories and so on and so forth. We actually relate them to traumas and we attribute them to behaviors and patterns of behaviors and so on and so forth. That literally there starts to become a pattern of the necessity that the brain programs into the habits that show we need to defend, protect, and so on and so forth from these certain types of threats. And these things can manifest in many different ways, types of people, um, types of scenarios, types of music, types of sounds, um, types of senses, smells, tastes, and so on and so forth. That's how we ended up getting to the point where we are now in the world with understanding triggers so well. And triggers are not a bad thing. I want people to understand this. And, and of course, for everyone that's on um, the rough sketch of final draft understanding that these, these things will always be chatted in this regard. So we're always going to champion this. Um, and of course, throughout the community of Coach Adam and so on and so forth on the Instagram, is the fact that literally triggers are not a bad thing. If there's a if there's a smoke alarm going off inside the house, I want to use this analogy, taking a step back, so just kind of allow this to sink in. If there's a smoke alarm going off in the house, that's a good thing. You want to know that there is actually somewhere inside the house that there's a fire. Simple as that. Like that's a good thing, right? So safe space. Understand, like genuinely, the trigger going off is a smoke alarm inside the house. It's letting you know there's a flame open somewhere that might be able to literally cause threat and damage to the entire house, the entire body. So the mind, when it has a trigger, it's going off because there's a fire somewhere inside that literally could threaten the whole entire homeostasis of the house, the body. This is a good thing. The human body is absolutely built perfectly. It's incredible the way that it works. Now, here's the only thing that really is to take into consideration with the triggers is then to go find the smoke alarm, figure out where the smoke is inside the house, locate the fire and put it out. And then make sure that the smoke alarm is set up to where it's been turned off now. Now the actual fire has been put out. The alert that was 
perfectly programmed to then set it off. It's done. It's been quelled. The trigger can now be turned back off. And see, that's really where the coaching thing starts to take place in all of this. Even letting go of the ego, even going into the transformational understanding of healing through our traumas, is that these triggers are absolutely imperative for even us as researchers, as, as coaches, to be able to be there for our clients in a loving way. Many of you that are listening now have gotten a chance to have one-on-ones with me, and you understand that this is incredible. And I, I create a safe space and hold space for anyone that I work with to allow you to go through the, the moments of, of the triggers that you need to, because it allows us to have such a much more in-depth, vulnerable, transparent, and authentic moment to understand where these triggers are coming from and all the interconnectivities that are really related and interrelated to what is necessary to be able to find out what it looks like from the inside of our mind. Most of us can't be able to read minds of others. So the better the description can be, which is only going to be able to ever take place when you're safe, when you feel safe and you're able to open it up, you could then look around you inside the you know, inner eye of within your mind, your mind's eye from within, and explain where it's coming from. By doing so, you can then isolate and focus upon where it is and then go into it and find out where it's all coming from. The trigger may still be going off. So then you work with a client to actually help them work through the steps and stages of disarming the trigger and resetting it, recalibrating it, because it's perfect the way that it is. It's not broken. It's just the simple fact that it needed to be turned off when there isn't a threat. That's it. And that's nothing wrong. It just means that It's been going off and no one in their life, no one in their childhood, no one in their young adulthood, no one in their adulthood has ever instructed them, been with them, shown them, illustrated for them these steps and stages to be able to do it for themselves. So in their life, again, coming full circle, they don't know what they don't know. It was in their blind spot this entire time. They were thinking it was this, they were thinking it was that, and they had never had the experiential understanding that it was something entirely different. They were sitting there in the cockpit of their own mind, trying to fly their own plane within their own life, and they didn't even know how to use some of the controls that are sitting there right in front of them. And that if they did know how to use those controls, that it would actually genuinely change the outcome of their lives in radical, amazing ways. And this is where the whole entire thing wraps it back up to the very beginning of this. That's the point. All these principles that we shared, some of the illustrative ways of the examples of Disney, some of the things that I humbly, transparently share with you as well. These are things that we have to understand that are all right. Getting rid of the things that are in our blind spots is legitimately the first step into endeavoring into the world of getting outside of our comfort zones. I know that's a, a colloquial phrase. It's very you know, understandable to everybody's ears. It's true though. And I hope that today's episode of going over the principles in such a step-by-step, you know, deep dive kind of process really illustrates the principles behind the fact that that's what it means to get outside of your comfort zones. This whole entire conversation has been a summarized version of a shorter conversation that we would have in a coaching call that would be about the fact of illustrating how important it is to get outside of our comfort zones because outside of our comfort zones is exactly where the answers are. 
even in the illustration you just sent, we've been trying to fly our own plane inside of our own cockpit, and there's controls and mechanisms and levers within our own lives that we're unaware on how to use them. There's nothing missing, is the point. They're already there. The controls and the buttons and all the other things that are needed to live, to be able to achieve the dreams you want to, are already within you. They're already there. They're just possibly in your peripheral, in your blind spots right now, that you have not been able to understand entirely that are already within you, the toolkits that are already kind of on issue when you first come into life. It's just that no one has ever actually been there with you, walked you through the process, shown you that these are the potentialities that exist within you. And that's okay. Safe space. That I mean, that happens to us all. We all live and grow and do all at different paces and all in, in different ways. And that's the, the majesty of life. It's a beautiful process. There's never anything to be, you know, forlorn about. And again, there is no failure. There's only feedback. So this is only a growth benefit for you in the truest sense to understand that wherever you are at now, seize the day. Carpe diem. Like literally just live it all the way and understand that this is now your time. If this is, again, to come back to what we said at the very beginning, there are no accidents. If this is where you are and you've fallen onto this episode and you've fallen into this content, you're here with the Rough Sketch of Final Draft, Coach Adam, whole entire community and family. It's for a purpose. This is what you needed at this particular point in time in your journey to be able to, to maximize your own growth potential within yourself, for yourself, so that you can be better for your community, for your loved ones, for your life, and those that you will inspire and move and touch in this life moving forward. All of this is to serve a purpose at whatever point in time. The thousands of books that I've read, the um, amazing philosophers that I've studied, the poets, the understandable knowledge of, of the wisdom seekers of even the, the wonderful minds of today. I've mentioned some of them with Tony Robbins and Stephen Covey and uh, Simon Sinek and even Jordan Peterson out there in the world. I mean, there, there's, there's brilliant minds living today um, Sam Harris, there's plenty, just absolutely an endless plethora of these individuals out there inspiring the world. And when you understand that each one of these moments, each one of these nuggets of truth, of gold that are actually there, they're there for you for a reason. So this whole entire episode, like with many of these episodes to come in the future and for now and in the past as well, the whole entire thing may not be the absolute entree that you needed, the main course that was necessary. There might have been just a sampler here and there. There might have been just an entree item that was meant for you, that you needed. And if it did, I'm glad. I'm grateful that you're here. Leave a comment down below. Let us know what you think. Um, like and subscribe. I have to keep on reminding myself to say this more and more. Uh, the downloads on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts are growing. I can't thank you enough for that, fam. Um, the viewership here and YouTube is just growing. So if you find this now or in the years to come, thank you for being a part of the community. Um, welcome. Uh, we're never going to stop. We're going to keep on growing and going. There is merch now as well. So thank you so much for all those who have already gone on there and started to purchase a rough sketch, the final draft. It's going to be in the link down uh, below. And um, I'm grateful to know that I love you. And I'm so grateful that you're here, a part of your healing journey. And uh, stay tuned for more, and I'll see you in the next episode, fam. Cheers.